Good morning, Merry Christmas. Hope that you're enjoying your holiday and your time together with friends and family. We want you to know how special it is for us to be a part of Bethlehem Church, to be your pastors, and I hope you're enjoying this holiday season. We're so thankful that Jesus came and was born, and because of him, we have peace on earth, goodwill towards men, but most of all, because he came to save us from our sins. God bless you and Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoy this morning's service. Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord, everybody, and Merry Christmas to you all. We're so thankful to be in your house today in the presence of the Lord. We're believing God's going to move right there at home where you are, wherever you're at. We're believing God's going to take care of you. God's going to move. God's going to bless you. We're, we're expecting God to do amazing things in your life. And I want to pray a prayer over you before we get started today. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you and your family and this church family. So can we all bind together today? If, if you're at your home right now with your family, would you grab your, your family's hands and pray together with us? We're going to go before the Lord today and believe Him to move in our midst. Let's lift our hands. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your goodness, Your mercy, and Your grace. God, we love You and worship You. There is nobody like You, God. There is nobody greater than you. Father, we thank you that you came down and robed yourself in flesh. We thank you, God, that you were born in, in a manger. You were born of a woman. Oh, God, we thank you, God, that you came down to save us and to wash us and to cleanse us, to purify us from all of our sins, from all of our faults and failures, God. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in every home that you would move in every place, oh God. That the Holy Ghost would take over in every house that this is being streamed at, God. I pray, oh Lord God, that the Holy Ghost will take over in their home. And God, I speak blessing over every family in our church. I speak blessing, oh God, over everybody that's listening, that's under the sound of my voice. I speak blessing, oh God. Whether it be financial blessing or all manner of spiritual blessing, let it come upon them today. And God, I pray that, that at this time of Christmas, at this time as we celebrate your birth, oh God, that we, we will see your, your miraculous power and your anointing and your peace come into our homes. That we will see your joy come into our homes. For some, this is a joyous time. For others, it may be a sad time. But God, I pray that the joy and the peace of the Holy Ghost will flow in their home right now as they listen to this prayer and as they are praying oh God in the name of Jesus let your power flow into their room God let your power flow let healing flow let wholeness come oh God we speak breakthrough over everybody that's in bondage we speak healing over everybody that's in sickness oh God we pray God for this church body that you will continue to do healing and miracles that you will continue to send revival and harvest oh God we thank you God for your many blessings and God we give you the glory and the honor and the praise today. Can we clap our hands together? Even at your house. Let's clap our hands. And let's give him the praise that is due unto his name. For he is so worthy. He is so holy. Hallelujah. Let's worship him together.
Emmanuel, 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 Em
Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And we are so thankful that He came. And we're thankful to know Him. For some of us, for some of our church family, this is a bittersweet time. We're thankful for all that the holiday means. But for some of us, this year there's an empty seat at our table. Life has brought changes from the last year. And I want you to know that our prayers are certainly with you. I will mention to you that tonight at 6.30, we're going to be airing a service from the, earlier this year, a message that I feel like set the course for the revival that we had over the last several months. And so if you'll tune in tonight at 6.30 Central Time, we will uh, air that message for our Sunday night service this Wednesday night at 7.15, we'll be back together in the house of the Lord. It will be our last service of 2022. And so I hope that everybody that can, everybody that will, make it a point to be in the house of the Lord at 7.15 on Wednesday night. And then next Sunday morning and Sunday night, January the 1st, promises to be a great day. 
We're looking forward to having evangelist Tim Green with us that Sunday morning and Sunday night. He's a great preacher, and God mightily uses him in the gifts of the Spirit, and we're looking forward to having Brother Green with us next Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Such an unusual feeling back in 2020 when we were dealing with the COVID shutdown. I became somewhat accustomed to preaching to empty pews, but I'll be honest with you that um, I'm not comfortable with it anymore. I'm thankful that we don't have to, but I'm also thankful that today you get to spend time at home with your families and that we spend this time of worship together. The book of Luke, chapter number two, verses eight through 12, I have spent several weeks in prayer for this particular service from back quite some time ago in our staff meeting when we began to think about what we were going to do for this service I began to pray and I feel like the Lord has given me some direction that I hope will be a blessing to our church family but I also feel very strongly that there's some folks that maybe you don't necessarily feel connected to a church, certainly not this church, but you know that God is getting ready to speak to you. And I feel like, I honestly feel like I'm getting ready to speak directly to some people's hearts today. The passage I'm going to read is a very familiar passage. However, there's so much power and truth in this passage of scripture. Luke chapter number two and verse number eight. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verses 10 and 11 said that the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. I want to talk to you for a little while on this Christmas morning, a message entitled, Remember What Matters. Remember What Matters. I'm going to pray that as we gather together in our homes or wherever it is that you are watching or listening, 
that the Holy Ghost would make this more than just an online service, but that he would make it a personal encounter with him. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, God, because I feel your presence. I feel the prompting and the leading of your spirit. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to move in our homes, in our family gatherings. God, for that person that's by themselves this morning, that feels isolated and alone, I pray that your presence would fill their room. Lord, I'm asking you, God, to use this medium and this message. Use this media to reach somebody's soul. God, I thank you because there is a Savior that was born. And God, not only a Savior, but you're my Savior. And I thank you for your presence. And I thank you for your anointing. I pray, God, that anointing move. I pray, God, that that anointing would minister. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to demonstrate your love and kindness. By touching souls today, in Jesus' name, amen. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The Greek word for Savior means a rescuer, a liberator, a deliverer, an emancipator. For someone to be saved, they need something to be saved from. For there to be a savior, there needs to be someone that needed saving. The Bible said that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. It says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible said our righteousness is as filthy rags. Romans 8 said that evil is present within me. The Bible calls us the sons of disobedience. It says that we were by nature the children of wrath. We were born in sin, shapen in iniquity. The Bible said we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It says that lust brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings death. And the prophet said the soul that sinneth shall surely die. My brothers and sisters, sin is the problem that all of us share. The scripture is abundantly clear that none of us are exempt from the trials and the pressures and the effect of sin which passed, according to the Bible, on all men. We're kind of in the same boat as a man that I heard about recently. His doctor called him and said, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which would you like to hear first? 
The man said, well, I guess I'll take the good news. The doctor said, I got your test results back from the lab and you only had 24 hours to live. The man said, that's the good news. What could be worse than that? The doctor said, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. That's pretty much what our lives were like without Christ. We were dying, but we didn't know we were dying. We were running out of time, but we were unaware. We may have been walking around, but spiritually we were dead without him. One of the worst parts of being spiritually dead is that we can't respond to God when he softly calls us. Christmas used to be a time when people would take the time to slow down and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ with family and friends. Now it's a time where we go dashing through the snow trying to get everything done from one place to another. Hectic, busy, no time to rest or reflect on what this season really means. We used to sing songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, and now they sing songs like Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. I checked earlier today on the iTunes top 10 Christmas songs of 2022, and only two of them have anything at all to do with Jesus, and one of them is an instrumental. Modern society has tried to erase Jesus from Christmas. Over the years, Christmas has been turned into a bustling holiday packed full of lights and presents and Christmas trees and plans. It's easy to get caught up in all of these things, which are not inherently bad. However, it's important to take the time to slow down and to remember what this season's all about. Don't get so carried away with all of your traditions that you lose the meaning of what we're trying to celebrate. Let me ask you a question. How many of you could tell me what you got for Christmas five years ago without having to stop and really think about it? Or even two years ago? Or even five, I'm sorry, five minutes ago, perhaps? Now, I know there are some Christmases where we receive a special gift that stands out, but for the most part, we rush through the holiday. We rush through the season trying to make sure that everything is just right, but what are we doing all of that for? I read the other day that there's a museum in Deadwood, South Dakota, and if you've never been to South Dakota, man, it's a beautiful place. I'd love to go. I'd like to have a cabin in the Black Hills of South Dakota somewhere near Mount Rushmore. But in in South Dakota, at Deadwood, there is a museum to the history of the Old West, the American West. And in that museum is a note that they found on the body of a prospector that he wrote on the last day of his life. His note read this way, quote, I lost my gun, I lost my horse, I'm out of food, the Indians are after me but I've got all the gold I can carry. What good is all the gold you can carry if you're dying and can't take it with you? 
I know that the things that we do in life are important. I know that money's important, our job's important, our appearance is important, our homes, are, all of that is important. But when you get down to the final moments of life, I have a question, what really matters? Steve Jobs, the deceased founder of Apple Incorporated, he said this. He said, if today was the last day of your life, would you want to do what you're doing today? It brings into perspective that we need to make every day count. Am I really doing today what matters? Benjamin Franklin wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses that was good at anything else but making excuses. Listen very carefully. If it's the only thing that you ever remember that I said today, remember this. It's not important how you die. It's important how you lived. Your life matters. How you live your life matters. What you do with your life matters. Time is a sacred trust. Time can be spent, time can be wasted, or time can be invested. Are you spending time? Are you wasting time? Or are you investing time? But make no, make no mistake, you are responsible for what you do with your time on earth. Twice the Bible tells us that we are to redeem the time. The word redeem in the original Greek means to ransom or to rescue from loss. Its root word means to go to the market and buy. You are in the marketplace of life every day. And you are trading your time for something. You may be trading your time for pleasure, for sin, for pastimes, for hobbies. But if you want to be saved, you better invest your time in the kingdom of God. I'm trying today to get us to focus on what really matters. Most of our families probably have a pile of wrapping paper somewhere. A whole lot of new gifts that are waiting to be played with or worn or tried on. But I'm going to tell you that none of that matters as much as focusing on what really matters in life. An instructor at a time management seminar told the participants to prepare for a quiz. He reached under the table and took out a wide mouth gallon jar and he set it on the table. Next to the jar were a number of rocks about the size of his fist. He asked the group, how many of these rocks do you think we can get in this jar? The participants in the class made their guesses one by one. The instructor just simply said, let's find out. And one by one, he began to put those large rocks inside the jar. When the last rock came to the top, the instructor asked the class, is the jar full? And the people in the class looked at the jar filled with rocks and they said, it's full. Then he reached under the table and pulled out a bucket of pea gravel. He poured the gravel into the jar and shook it. The gravel filled the spaces between the big rocks. And he grinned and asked the class again, is the jar full? 
But this time, the class wouldn't be fooled. They said, no, probably not. The instructor nodded and said, good, you're catching on. He took out a bucket of sand, and he poured the sand into the jar. And slowly, the sand sifted its way into the gaps between the rocks and the gravel. And after the sand settled, the instructor asked once again, is the jar full? And the audience shouted, no. He said, good. And he pulled out a pitcher of water and he poured the water into the jar. And as the water reached the top, he stopped and he asked the group, what's the point of this exercise? And somebody said, well, there's always gaps. And if you work at it, you can always fit more into your life. But the instructor said, no, that's not the point. The point is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. His point was, you have to put the important things in your life first. Don't put the little things in and crowd your life with things that make no difference and add no real, eternal, redeeming value. Put the big things in first. God, family, church. Then worry about the little things. Clovis Chapel, a minister from the early 1900s, used to tell a story of two paddle boats. They left Memphis, Tennessee, heading towards New Orleans at about the same time traveling down the Mississippi River. As they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the slow pace of the other. Words were exchanged and a challenge was made. And they began to race down the river. The competition became so vicious that as the two boats roared through the deep south, one boat began falling behind. They did not have enough fuel to finish the race. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not plenty of coal for a race. As the boat dropped back, the young say, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and he threw it into the ovens. When the sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as coal, they fueled their boat with the material they had been assigned to carry down the river. They won the race, but they finished empty. Can I tell you, you can win the rat race of this world and finish empty. You can win the race to wealth and finish empty. You can finish the race, you can win the race to pleasure but finish empty. The point is not to finish fast. The point is to finish well. Jesus was born to change the world. Part of changing the world is changing us. There should be something markedly different about a Christian than a non-Christian. And certainly, there should be something powerfully different about the life of a spirit-filled Christian. We know we know that Jesus most probably was not born on December 25th. Most likely, he was born in the springtime, the time when the lambs were born. When he came isn't important. That he came makes all the difference in the world. As Christianity swept the Roman Empire, there was a holiday that took place late in December called Saturnalia. Saturnalia is a pagan celebration where the Romans celebrated their imaginary god, Saturn. 
The Christians didn't want to celebrate a Roman idol. So they decided they would redeem that day, redeem the holiday. And instead of celebrating Saturn, they would celebrate the birth of Jesus. As Christianity grew, Saturnalia faded away. And Christmas became cemented as a worldwide celebration. Jesus came. Whenever you celebrate it, however you celebrate it, the fact that Jesus came makes all the difference. But he didn't come to keep the status quo. Jesus doesn't come into our life to keep the status quo either. He comes to change things. His coming is not restricted just to a night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. His coming transformed the sins of the past. His grace alters our present, and his promise changes our future. So before I leave you on this beautiful Christmas morning, I want to draw your attention to an obscure Old Testament prophetic voice, that of the prophet Haggai. In chapter 1 and verse 5, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Not your words, but your ways. Not what you say you're going to do, but what you actually do with your life. Consider your ways. The literal Hebrew translation means consider your course of life. Consider how you live your life. I told you that Jesus didn't come to keep the status quo. Jesus came to change. And when Jesus comes in your life, he came in your life to change. He came to change your course of life. Can I ask you this? Is your daily life different? Is how you treat people different? Is how you worship different? Consider your ways, your course of life. In a Berlin art gallery is a painting by the German master painter, Adolf Menzel. In this painting, Menzel intended to show the former Prussian king, Frederick, Frederick the Great speaking with some of his generals. Menzel was deeply concerned with historical accuracy. And every detail down to the buttons on a uniform or to the handle of a sword was meticulously researched. With the stroke of the master artist, Menzel painted the generals and the background first, intending to save painting the king until the very last. Menzel used charcoal to draw the outline of where he intended to put the king, where he was going to paint him. While he focused on the secondary characters of the painting, the buttons on the coats of the generals, the feathers on their hat, the strings on their shoes, the colors of their outfit. He focused on all the secondary parts of the painting. The king 
was the primary central point of the painting. But first, Menzel paid meticulous attention to all the secondary items. And then on February the 9th of 1905, Adolf Menzel died. He died before ever getting around to painting the king. His painting was beautiful, but the king has forever been left out. It's a shame to focus on all the secondary matters of life and leave the king out. Maybe you're waiting till the end. You have other things that you're focused on. Can I tell you anything you're focused on besides Jesus is a secondary matter. And you ought to paint the king into your life first. I hope you're enjoying your holiday. I hope you're enjoying your family. I hope you're enjoying Christmas. But don't leave the king out. I hope you're enjoying your presents and all the new stuff, but don't leave the king out. I hope you're enjoying your family, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, whatever circle of influence that you're with today. But whatever you do, don't leave the king out. My message to you on this Christmas day is to remember what really matters. Don't get so involved in winning a race that you lose the cargo of your soul. And don't get so caught up on all the secondary matters of life that you forget the king and you leave him out until it's too late. God, help me to remember in life what really matters. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've shared together on this beautiful Christmas day. God, all the things that this holiday means to the Christian, family, friends, togetherness, the fact that you were born, that you came to redeem us and save us from our sins. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, because you left the majesty and the splendor of heaven to be born in a lowly manger. God, that you came to a world that would despise and reject you. You left the adoring praise of angels in heaven to come to a place where your name would be cursed. You didn't do it for you. You did it for me. And I thank you because you came. And God, because you came to me, you came to change me. You came to change my life. You came to change my course of life. Help me to consider my ways. God, help me not to spend so much time on the secondary things that I forget to put the king in his proper place first. You are the king of my life, and I give it all to you. God, I pray your blessing over our church family and over everyone who's heard this message. I pray that the Holy Ghost would meet us. God, right in somebody's living room, in their car, wherever they are, I pray that the Holy Ghost would begin to penetrate the hardness of the heart to find its way through all the chaos of the day and the busy schedule and all the secondary things 
that society tells us this holiday is about. And God, I pray that you help us to focus on what really matters. Lord, I pray. I pray that you help me to consider my course of life, to make my way, to serve you, to let you change me, to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ties, my tie straight? No. Just chill, okay. Yeah. All right, everybody ready? Good morning. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I hope you're enjoying your holiday. We want you to know how much we love and appreciate you all. Thank you for giving us the privilege of pastoring you and being part of this great church. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. I hope your day is filled with laughs and love, and I hope you enjoy your family and your time together. God bless you. We love you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kate's just over there going. <laughs> we probably need to do one more. Here, here's my impersonation of Kate. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Get in. Get in. All right, get in and get centered, Kate. Get in and get centered. All right, you ready? Good morning. Merry Christmas. We hope you're enjoying your holiday. God bless you. We're so thankful to be a part of this great church. We love all of you. And I just want you to know how thankful we are to be able to be your pastor and uh, your pastor's wife. We thank you for your support all year long. X that one. All right, let's do it again. Get over here, Kate. Get over here. Get over here. No, because that makes my jacket pucker out. Just awkwardly stand there and stare at the camera. Stare at the camera. Here, take my arm. Where'd your mom go? <laughs> Just look at the camera. All right, you guys ready? Ready as we'll ever be. Smiles. Smile, Kate. Kate, get that demon look off your face. All right, you ready? Merry Christmas. We're so glad. Oh, you guys quit laughing. Oh, laughing is good. He started laughing and she went. <laughs> we have God's joy. What All right, get in. This is it. This is the last take. Come on, we're not doing this forever. Gosh, nerds. You ready? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. I'm I was not the only one to say.